This week's podcast brought to you by Elizabethan Dog Dickies. Just the other day, I was uh, sitting on the couch, and I'd bought some Werther's Originals. And our youngest came over and said, what are those? And I said, they're hard candies. To which she responded, so you're a grandma now, carrying around hard candies? It's the coldest day of the year, which isn't saying much. It's the 10th day of the year, but I think it's the coldest day, possibly, of the last two years today. It's 10 degrees. That's not Pre-wind chill. That's not the real feel temperature, as they no, like to say No, it's cold now. out there. It's cold, but it's it's not crazy cold. It's pretty cold. Okay, it's it's cold. We'll we'll agree to disagree. Well, it is the coldest day of the year. Well, yeah, the year is ten days old. I think will it be the coldest day of the last two years? And if so, when they say it's the coldest day of the year, I think they mean the past three hundred and sixty-five days. I don't think they mean of twenty twenty-two. Well, whatever they mean, it's not cold in here because I have a warm, steaming cup of joe. Made you your first, was it your first cup of coffee last week? No, I had black coffee in a styrofoam cup dispensed from a metal urn at my middle school in eighth grade on a day where you you could carry, there was, they had like an antique fair in the, in the school gym on the weekend and they, I think they, uh, made the eighth graders on a Saturday carry all of the stuff in, these priceless antiques. They weren't priceless antiques, but they required, you know, lifting furniture and stuff in there, and then carry the stuff back out to these dealer's trucks on Sunday. And our our uh, compensation was all the coffee we could drink from... Which was really there for the people, I'm yeah. assuming, who were patronizing the I antiques. I assume so. But it was, it was middle school coffee from a metal urn in a styrofoam cup. And I, believe it or not, I didn't really care for it. The thing I liked best was it was free. So that was the last cup of coffee I had was at the First antique fair. First and last? I think I had a couple while I, well, that weekend, but, but I never had any coffee since, since eighth grade. So it, it was 42 years between cups of coffee. So in this past week, I asked you, I said, oh, I'm making some coffee. Would you like a cup of coffee? And uh, I said, it's really quite good. And I said, no, thank you. And then I think I said, it's really quite good. And and then you said, all right, I'll try it. And you were sitting at the piano. Fully expecting to do a steaming hot spit take. Thought you were going to hate it. And I gave you a cup of coffee and you enjoyed it. I can see what all the fuss is about. But, I mean, you, you have certainly have not become a daily no. coffee drinker. So I, I'm, you, you have a cup in front of you now. This is your second, I think. I can cup see how people. Coffee in the last week. I can see. I can see what all the fuss is about. If only there had been some sign in the last forty years, some national chain opening coffee shops on every corner. Um, if only I had seen people carrying big steaming cups of coffee with the lids on it, as if they were baby bottles everywhere. That might have tipped me off that there was that that coffee had improved since the days of Folgers Crystals, where my parents Hills Brother coffee from the can. Well, you're a. Uh we're, we're not letting you have too much. This is your second cup of coffee of the year. This could be your hottest cup of coffee of the year. I, I have to say, and, and, and the other thing that sort of all of the accoutrement of, of coffee, we've got these mugs. I think you're drinking out of a mug that we got for your dad. 
Mm-hmm. Because when we got married, we regist- did we register for or did we get an unsolicited coffee maker? I think we probably registered for one. I think my mother said, you have to register for a coffee maker. And I said, Stephen, I don't drink coffee. She said, yes, that, but you'll have guests over and you need to be able to offer them a cup of coffee. So we had a lovely coffee maker that went unused for 15 years. And we had, Un- an, and we had an unlovely coffee maker that went used when your parents came over. They, yeah, they, they the one would, that my dad would, would use when camping. They would ignore the robotic, electronic, state-of-the-art coffee maker and use the little tin kettle. Because that they, they only the needed to make two cups of it, one for each of them. So anyway, when I started drinking coffee a couple of years ago, I then started using the, the coffee maker because for a while I, I, I preferred to drink iced coffee. And so I would make a, you know, a decent amount of it and put it in mason jars and put it in the fridge and it would last me a couple of days. But now that I like drinking it hot, I don't do that, but I still use the coffee maker. And I've also uh, now got a pack of uh, Paul Malls. I want to see what all the fuss is about. (laughs) That's not funny. Um, But you mentioned like the chains. I think I make the best coffee. And to the point where now, not, not the coffee itself, but just like there's a certain kind of almond milk, vanilla almond milk creamer that I like to use. And so when I go to work at ESPN, I'll, I'll buy coffee, but I'll bring my own like tumbler and already have put in the creamer because I don't like the creamer they offer there. That's how pathetic I've become. And then I get my just the black coffee from them and pour it into the, into the tumbler. You travel with a thermos full of creamer? It's not full. There's just a very small bit of it in there. But yes, I travel with a mostly empty thermos so that I can then add the coffee when I get to work or if I'm getting it from a drive through or something. Speaking of an empty thermos, when I was driving the kids to school this morning, there was a free-range St. Bernard crossed the road in front of the car. Oh, I know, it, it did, I know it, which house it that didn't have like belongs a, it to. It didn't have like a, a keg or a barrel around its, you know, hanging from a collar, which was disappointing. But on this cold day to see a St. Bernard, I thought it was, I, I felt very alpine. Mm. Speaking of dogs and barrels, last week we started the podcast. I was talking about how excited I was that we were going to be able to bring our dog home. She came home. In a barrel. And, well, it, it oh, was... Oh, I, I see where you're going with this. She came home and we're now wearing a barrel because we have no money left. <laughs> Something like that. But when I was talking to the veterinarian about, um, you know, how what, what she was going to have to do and how we were going to have to take care of her and limit her exercise and all of that the vet said and she'll be coming home wearing the cone of shame she'll have to wear the cone of shame for about a week before you know until her um incisions and everything heal to keep her from licking it and i was thinking cone of shame who is it shameful for she's a dog she doesn't care if she's got a cone around her head i'm her owner it's not shameful for me like it's a weird thing to call the elizabethan dog collar the cone of shame because honestly Who's it shameful for? Did you say that to her? Did you say, I beg no. your pardon, madam, it is, it's an Elizabethan collar <laughs> I and did we find not. no shame in it? I did not. And it is interesting, though, like, I mean, we've never had to have our dog wear one of these, but the ones I can remember seeing, like, I don't know if it was in movies or wherever, but it, th- this one's clear, plastic Velcro. It's made by 3M. You just wrap it around the dog's head, stick the Velcro. The, the Velcro is very strong. And uh, and she actually, she was really good. It didn't seem like she minded it. Our, our 
At least one of our children has worn it around just for giggles. Well, I suggested while our child was wearing it that we fill it with soup or and give her a straw or maybe fill it with popcorn and she could just eat right out without using hands-free mm-hmm. uh, movie night. And uh, she thought that was a great idea, but yeah. I think you put the kibosh on it. Our oldest daughter thought it was disgusting. She's like, that's been around the dog's face, but whatever. You know what would be a great innovation for these cold days when the dogs still have to go outside and they're wearing an Elizabethan collar? What? An Elizabethan dickie. <laughs> that's actually warm. what our dog needs right now. That's she needs a dickie because for her surgery, she was shaved from her neck, the underside of her neck, all the way down her belly. And... um she needs a dog dicky to keep herself warm. An Elizabethan dog An Elizabethan dicky. dog dicky. So fr- from now on, whenever anybody refers to EDD, I won't think of Elena <laughs> Deladon. I'll think of an Elizabethan dog dicky. And that, I suppose that would be the ultimate, because doesn't Elena Deladon have dogs? Beloved? Yes, she has a big Great Dane. A big Wrigley. Great Dane. Yes. That dog needs an Elizabethan dog dicky. It's a little bit ridiculous that I know what kind of dog Elena Deladon has and that I know its name. But, of course, it's just because I follow her on Instagram and she takes plenty of pictures with her dog. But (laughs) You've gone way too far down the the basketball route. Clearly. But I I remember why I brought all this up is I said you were drinking out of of a Cookie Monster uh, coffee mug Mm -hmm. that we procured at Sesame Place. We did. In, uh, outside of Philadelphia, and I'm mm-hmm. drinking out of a a Thing 1 and Thing 2 Cat in the Hat mug that I believe was your mom's, was it not? When we got this mug, I mean, obviously, they're, they're, we keep them at our house, but the coffee maker, when we have guests over, was really for your parents. They're the ones right. who drink coffee after dinner, yep. and otherwise, we don't have guests. Who are we kidding? We right. have guests. No. Uh, and, and so we had the coffee maker... We would, I'd say, 50% of the time have coffee. Sometimes they'd come over and they'd be hankering for a cup of coffee after dinner, and, and we'd have coffee. Sometimes they'd come over, be hankering for a cup of coffee after dinner, and, oh, we don't have any coffee. But even if we had coffee, we would always have sugar because both of my parents would drink their coffee with sugar and, and half and half. But most, I mean, half and half was not something that we just kept Routinely, in the fridge. Yeah. So if they were, and my mom could be a little bit pickier than my dad. Like, my dad might drink it with some milk, but my mom wasn't trying to have coffee with milk. If we didn't have coffee, your dad would just have a cup of sugar. <laughs> yeah, he's not picky at all. In fact, he would prefer that. But but I, I, I thought that this this mug, I mean, we have a dedicated ice cream bowl with your dad, for your mom and dad, still mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And, uh, and if I'm not mistaken, I thought this was uh, your mom's coffee mug. So I was... I was not only having my second cup of coffee, I was having it in the Ruth Ann Lobo mug. Didn't it feel good about that? I did. I it, made did. Up, it made up for the coffee. I'm just kidding. It was the delicious coffee. coffee. Is lovely. And when I say we don't have guests over, we were talking just before we started recording that uh, about the COVID surge and, you know, some people are taking it seriously. Some people aren't. Some people are wearing masks. Some people aren't. Uh, and, you know, what, 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 what does it mean to our life? We haven't gone, we haven't eaten in restaurants. And, y- and you said, you know, who are we kidding? We wouldn't be hobnobbing in restaurants anyway, or we wouldn't be hobnobbing in general. Right. Is that what you said? That is what I said. And it occurred to us, when have we ever hobnobbed? 
We've never been hobnobbers. Never been hobnobbers. Never been knobbers of hob. We've never been knobbers of hob. No. We've never is been hobs. We've never been hobs knobbers. Is that hobs something you're, you're aspiring to in our eventual retirement when the last kid is left and we're empty nesters? Will uh, do you aspire to a life of hobnobbery? Uh, yeah, I kind of do. Uh, we missed, you know, we missed the the canoodling stage. True. So at the very least, we could hobnob if we if we can't canoodle. Because I was kind of because canoodling is sort of something that is seen as a public display, right? Canoodling, I don't yeah. think so. Well, I I see it as that. So I I was against canoodling, but I am all you, you for against canoodling hobnobbing. As a, you're gonna against canoodling as a private display. <laughs> but I'm all for the hobnobbery as long as it's uh, empty nester hobnobbery. Hob, hob, Let's be the ho- hobnobberiest of the hobnobberers. <laughs> well, wearing Elizabethan dog dickies, we could. Uh, well, it would have rhymed if you had said yes. Elizabethan collars. You know, it would have rhymed. There was a commercial on the other night for some realty site, I think, and the tagline was the guy. It, it was a Shakespearean. They may may have been wearing Elizabethan collar because it was a Shakespearean kind of conceit in the commercial, and at the end, the the woman says. Romeo, Romeo, I love our new home. And before I could say anything, our 11-year-old threw up her hands. She, she, she's the one who knows all the jingles and uh, commercials by heart and said, how, how do they not say Romeo, Romeo, I love our new homeo? <laughs> and I said, of course. How do they not say that? How do they not say that? Uh, so, so I forget what we were talking about. But um, rhyming collar with oh, hobnobber. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes we we uh, miss the last step on the stairs. But um, you know the the language of hobnob is is a cookie in the UK. There's a brand a brand of cookie like Oreo hobnob? here. Hobnob. How do they spell Some, it? H o b n o b. I think it's something you would eat like a biscuit. You would like eat like if you're hobnobbing. Is it h o b n o b? Yeah. There's no k. There's in no it. k. No. Okay. No. Um, and and canoe, you know, hobnob and canoodle sound to me either like board games, maybe they are, or or uh, card games, playing card games, like something your grandma would play. All right. You know, another round of hobnob, or should we should we play a hand of canoodle? I just like looked canasta up, and right. pinochle combined. I just looked up the definition of hobnob. Mix socially, especially with those of higher social status. Hmm. So there's hobnobbing and... and uh, when I was thinking of us hobnobbing in our retirement, it had nothing to do with those of higher social status. No. None. No, no. I, I wouldn't mind doing some gallivanting. <laughs> in retirement? Yeah. We'll do some gallivanting? Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you're up for it. Would you prefer to gallivant or hobnob? I think we'll be too old to gamble with, a, with an O. But we'll be just the right age to gamble... With an L-E, yeah, yes. possibly. Okay. <laughs> moving on. Now, uh, uh, speaking of moving on, our young producer, Denny Gallagher, has moved on. Not from the show, God willing, but he, he, has, he is, as we speak, he is making the cross-country trek from New Jersey to Los Angeles. And he has texted me photographs from what appear to be stops along Route 66. So I believe he's in the American Southwest now. 
uh, he, he texted me a picture from a Texaco or Phillips 66 station with rusted pumps that looked like uh, Harry Dean Stanton might come out in a, in a greasy jumpsuit to, to kind of freak them out while, while filling, them up, filling it up with, with regular. I don't think they still sell a regular, but that's the kind of gas station that it looked like. Mm-hmm. We're just hoping he's, I'm just hoping he's safe. Oh, I think it's he's a long, safe. long way to drive. In a, in a mini. With New Jersey plates. So I ask you, Rebecca, it doesn't have to be a Mini, though I used to drive a Mini. Retirement. What is RV, it with you and your reading glasses today? You keep just playing with them and taking them off and I'm putting pre- them on. You know what? I'm, I'm pretending. It's, I'm, a weird, it's weird because you're drinking coffee. You feel like you have to be exactly. have I'm your on, reading glasses as an affectation. My affectation is, first of all, they're they're. Uh, I mean, not that it matters, but they are women's reading glasses. They're Holly Rose reading glasses. Are they Holly Rose? I think those are the ones. At somebody, one point, Holly Rose gave me a pair of glasses. They're either Holly Rose or another one of my girlfriends. Somebody left them here is all I know. Okay. I, and think, I, I think they're Holly's. I've never bought a pair of reading glasses, but there was a pair that I used that somebody had left here, and the arm broke off. So I wore those for a while with just one arm. Right. I only those are what green or blue turquoise or something. I only wear them when I when I uh, wearing my contacts. Okay. And and um, and I thought this would be a great because I'm drinking the coffee and I'm sitting in a microphone. I feel like I'm on a 1960s talk show, but like one of those intellectual talk shows, like Dick Cavett having right. You know, authors you're, on. You're definitely playing the part with the amount that you're playing with those reading glasses. A lot of cigarette smoke in the air mm-hmm. and a back black background like a charlie rose show kind of background mm-hmm. that's what I, that's what i feel like right now okay but anyway you were about to say something and i interrupted what was you. i about to say i don't know oh i was about to ask you know driving through the american southwest as a retirement uh lifestyle for you rebecca open road convertible uh just the two of us and and one cd what, what do you think would I want to do that? Yeah. Or would um, you want me to do that by myself? Yes. I think you. it would be a good thing. Maybe you could do do that you know, on a road trip with our son or something. While you stay home. Yeah. <laughs> your, your, uh, your wanderlust is, is dissipated, I right? I know. When, over, over Christmas, um, the Christmas break, my father turned 80, and... Um, we, you and I were talking about a potential birthday party for me in the upcoming years when I turn 50. And I said the perfect... Number 50, turning turn, 50. Yeah, number 50 turns 50. Um, it's not on the very near horizon, but it's out there. And uh, I said to you, the perfect 50th birthday present would be for you to invite everyone I know, like throw a party, and let me stay home and have the house to myself. That'd be delightful. What a, what, what, failing that. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me that that's my idea <laughs> of an ideal birthday gift? What would be the difference between me inviting all of your friends to a restaurant and you staying home and me just going by myself to a restaurant? Oh, that's true. But you could let other people celebrate. But yeah, yeah, just you and the kids, even better. I think it was in the spirit of, well, a, of a surprise birthday I'll party. I'll start planning that. But when, when you mentioned your father's 80th birthday uh, in the car yesterday... We were listening to some uh, 
classic rock station or something on, on satellite radio, and the guy said something about it being just having passed or approaching the, the anniversary, the anniversary of David Bowie's 75th birthday. And our son said, wouldn't that be his 76th birthday? <laughs> and, and I said, that's, that's what I'm going to do now. I'm just going to start marking the anniversaries of, like, my 25th birthday. Right. You know, next year, you're, and he actually said, you know, so next year we'll celebrate the one-year anniversary of Dan Pizzetti's birthday. I said, I think that's what we should do. It's a great idea. That's a perfect way to look at it. So I can just, when I do turn 50, I can celebrate the 25th anniversary of my 25th birthday. Absolutely. That absolutely makes sense. Speaking of birthdays and getting older, um, I just happened to have my email up in front of me, my inbox, and there were two that were were very intriguing. Not intriguing enough for me to open them, but just the the header is intriguing. It was from your husband was the header on one of them? <laughs> no. One of them says prostrate, prostate warning. Your prostate is the size of a lemon. And I was thinking, you know what? I know that's not true. <laughs> My prostate is not the size of a lemon. But even if even if it were, how would the emailer know that? I don't know how they would know that. I mean, we're glossing over the bigger point that I don't have a prostate. But yes, if, if this was going to somebody who did, how would they know the size of that person's prostate and which fruit it most resembled? And then the other one that got me was from walk-in tub bathing. Improve your life with a walk-in bath. And that just got me thinking, like, exactly how do walk-in baths work? And so I looked up a picture online. Uh, and Re- Rebecca, let me, let me tell you. I watch enough TV channels yeah. that advertise. When I see the reruns of the, Tonight, of the Johnny Carson Tonight mm-hmm. Show, the Rockford Files, Kojak. I mean, when I see these shows on the kind of TV channels that air them, yeah, all of the ads are for walk-in tubs and Joe Namath's uh, reverse mortgage or whatever so the hell did, it but is. Did, so did you give any thought to this, though? Well, like th- you, the way it works, I believe, is is you open and close the, the door to the walk-in tub before you fill it with water. Well, exactly. So you open it, you get in, conceivably without clothes on, you shut it, and then you stand or sit there until well, the thing fills up with water. Now that's that's what you do. But what I do, and this is also my retirement plan, is I get a, a National Hockey League penalty box attendant to open and close the gate for me as I as I get in and, and get out. Fine, but you still can't open the thing after it's full of water. Even if you are opening it or somebody else is opening it, you still have to open it and get in before you fill it with water. So you get in again, probably without clothes on or with a bathrobe on and wait. I don't know about other people. Our bathtub takes a long time to fill with water. Our, our regulation bathtub, not a, not a bathtub with a door. So you get in and then you s- sit or stand. Neither sound very appealing. While the water fills up so that you can then take a bath. And then you have to wait for all that dirty water to drain back out before you or your attendant can open the door for you to get out. Like, nothing about that. I mean, I understand it's for people who can't get easily get in and out of a bathtub, but nothing about that sounds appealing to me. 
What sounds much more appealing is to have a shower that has a, a bench or something that you can sit sit down on if you need to be able to sit. But walking into a bathtub to then fill and let the water go out, and it just doesn't seem very practical. Well, I mean, I don't like the concept of bathing to begin with. <laughs> well, I don't I mean did, I don't I mean do it from a hygiene standpoint. I mean I don't like the bath. Oh right, right. Versus a shower, yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, I like that your issue with it was that you would want somebody else to open the little door for you, and and, and then stand there stoically as if as if I were serving two minutes for right, for like, high sticking. In like, fact, we know we know the gentleman who used to be penalty box attendant for the Hartford Whaler games. At the Harvard Pacific Center. Yes, we do. Okay. Steve. Oh, okay. And he, I mean, we should we should record a, a conversation with him sometime because uh, he he would sit there sometimes. You know, after a guy's just gotten in a in a bloody fist fight, and he would sit there impassively as uh, the guy then sat there and took verbal and or physical abuse from. The, the spectators from the guy who he got in the fight with whatever it's it's uh it's an interesting job not that i'm not that he would be my my uh, walk-in tub penalty box attendant gatekeeper but that'd be weird he had the, he has the experience hmm. yeah the, the weirdness of a <laughs> walk-in bathtub door attendant and I, we've talked about this before i think a long time ago but it's all always how i felt they don't have them anymore but when they used to have the bathroom attendants in the charlotte airport hmm. I just that was a, an odd thing, for an airport. It's an odd thing for any place. I know, but you expect it. I, I mean, I'm sure they don't have them right now during COVID. But you ex- used to expect it a little more, maybe in a fancy schmancy. That's how you knew it was a restaurant. fancy restaurant. Yeah, yeah, but not in a airport. Are you sure it was it was a paid bathroom attendant and not just a just a, a lingerer, a loiterer, <laughs> a loiterer handing out towels and with a little candy dish yeah. of mints. Now, lastly, Rebecca, before we get to viewer mail, you've been name-checked in a lot of odd, unexpected circumstances in rap lyrics, in uh, that TV show that we still hear from occasionally. Mad About You? No, 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 no. The one that's, is it Psych? Oh, Psych, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, but last night, unexpectedly, I'm told your name was invoked on the Antiques Roadshow. That's right. Yes. So we'll have to look into that for next week. Well, you can, are you going to elaborate on what it was that they were showing on Antiques well, Roadshow? Well, we, we haven't watched it yet, but but didn't our sister-in-law text you that Yeah, she from what I understand, um, someone who works in the Yukon um, basketball offices was at Antiques Roadshow, and she's been there since I was there. She's She's been working as G- Coach Oriama's assistant. At UConn, not at Antiques Roadshow. I'm sorry, yes, at UConn since I was there. And she brought to Antiques Roadshow the 11 national championship rings because I think she's one of three people who has all 11. Coach Oriama, of course, Chris Daly, and then Sarah has. And, and the guy who stole right. Gino's rings. Right, but it made me think um, – before I realized it was Sarah, when someone just texted me and said somebody's at Antiques Roadshow, I was like, wait a minute, is it the person who stole Coach Oriama's? So I don't know how many years ago, 15 years ago or so, Coach Oriama had four or five of his rings, championship rings, stolen out of his car. And um, 
That's what I heard about. Did he, did he have them displayed like fuzzy dice hanging from the rear? No, mirror? no. They were just in his car, and he said he didn't, doesn't lock his car, so they people stole like he CDs does now. and whatever. This I would imagine he does ago. now. And why? I don't know why his rings were in the car in the first place, but um, anyway. Probably yeah. because he was doing a photo shoot or something. Yeah, you would imagine. Um, and the rings were stolen. And so my first thought when our sister-in-law texted me and said, you know, somebody has... Yukon Championship rings on Antique Roadshow was, stop thief. Is it the person who stole the rings? Because that would be a smart thief. <laughs> right. That would be a very short Rockford Files. Yes. The guy <laughs> steals four rings, and then he tries to fence them on the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> right. You don't even sell them there. You just find well, out what he, they're worth. But he waited 15 years yeah. to do it. So, and, then, uh, and, then, and then Rockford would have to determine whether this guy had played women's basketball at the University of Connecticut <laughs> during four separate championship seasons. Would, would Rockford have been able to, to suss that one out? Who won Who won four championships at UConn? Did Stewie? Yes, Brianna Stewart, Mariah Jefferson, Morgan Tuck, although Tuck was injured for one of the seasons. So, But that senior class. Three players? Um, I think those were the three seniors, yeah. Incredible. Okay. So, well, anyway, shall we get to view? Is that what we were doing? We were getting, this was all by prelude to viewer mail, I, I can't remember. So, yes. I don't know. Oh, it just came up with Antiques Roadshow, of yes. course. Okay. I wonder, by the way, it was an Antiques Roadshow, I believe, shot in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And yet they didn't ask me, the uh, renowned purveyor of, the, the renowned uh, antiques uh, muscle to carry him in and get a cup of steaming black coffee, Folgers Crystals on the way in. I don't think it took place at a uh, Catholic elementary no, school. No, that's true. True enough. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Our first viewer mail comes in from Michelle with one L. Hello, Michelle with one L. Hello again, Restivia. After you read my viewer mail last episode, she writes, I had to follow up on Rebecca's comment about South Carolina fans. Ooh. Ready to buckle in, Rebecca? I'm ready. I did note I was a completionist as well as an OG listener, but I am, of course, also a fan of both of you. Thank you, Michelle. I do hope you are able to seek out my friendly face next time you're in South Carolina to call a game. I would also like to present myself as the Ball and Chain Podcast resident, rational, South Carolina women's basketball <laughs> fan to counter others you've encountered on social media. Michelle with one L. Michelle, I will definitely be there at the end of this month for one of the Thursday showcase games when UConn plays um, at South Carolina. And I think it would be very difficult for me to seek you out. However, I would love it if you wanted to seek me out. I'll be at the announce table. Come on down and just say I'm Michelle with one L. And um, I would love to say hello. And if she does that and if you reciprocate, would that count as hobnobbing? Um, based on the definition, I guess it would depend on each of our social status. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think what, whatever Michelle's social me, status that is, would whatever, yeah, exactly. whatever her social status is, you would be seeking. I, you that would, is true. Yes. Uh, well, speaking of that, this, this is, you, you would be metaphorically, uh, reaching up to Michelle's social status. Mm-hmm. Physically, it would probably be the reverse. Probably. Which leads us perfectly into our next viewer mail, which is headlined, The Short and Tall of It. That's the subject line. Hello, Rebecca and Steve, writes uh, Chris from St. Petersburg. Greetings from your resident chief HR officer and the last person in Florida who has not had COVID. Touching wood right now. (laughs) Excuse me? Well, (laughs) 
He's very knocking on wood. <laughs> well, I think touching wood is an expression as well, Rebecca. I've uh, never how heard dare that you? Expression. Yes, of course. Touch wood, knock of course. Knock on wood. I've heard knock on wood. Yes. I've never heard touch wood. Yes, well, it's, it's an expression. It it's All an expression. Right. It's an expression in how, Florida. How, how talk about wearing a collar of shame? I know Rebecca. that's true. Wearing Elizabethan it's a cone of shame. Elizabethan, it's an Elizabethan uh, collar. Human dicky. Anyway, where were we, Chris? I'm sorry. I apologize for Rebecca. As someone who, oh, by the way, I know people who have been to Florida in the last couple of weeks. You do? I think I know four people. Three of them have COVID. Oh, really? Oh, really? You know the same people. I know, but I didn't know three of them had it. Yes, you do. Okay. As someone who, as someone who would more than qualify for membership in the, in, in the International Tall Club, and who is married to someone who definitely does not qualify, I agree that the world is biased against the tall and the small. Most things are built for the average. The one group who can really complain about bias in the world are left-handed people. I think we're talking about, you know, kind of trivial biases here, right? Yes, right, yeah. the, In the realm of the... Yes, I want to hear more, though. The, as as a person who writes with her left hand, yes. I would like to hear more. Both my wife and I are lefties and have spent our entire lives dealing with the challenges faced by Southpaws in a world built for right-handed people. Anyway, glad to hear you had a good holiday, and I hope that COVID does not impact. Wait a minute. Why, he, in, in the PS, he, he describes his. his uh, the challenges? Well, he doesn't describe the challenges. I mean, you can't say, talk about challenges of being left handed well, and not you give examples so that you, I can then say, us. yes, amen. You tell us, Rebecca. Well, but no, I was ready to like cosign and agree with my left hand. Well, and scissors, for instance, are they not? Uh, that is very true, yeah. Notebooks, where you were you writing and then you smudged the When I was ink? a kid in school and you'd use the scissors, they had the 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 like like cheap little metal yeah. scissors, and the you had nosed. to go find the the green handled ones. They had a different color for the lefty, and if there was more than one left handed kid in the class, you had to share with the other ones. That part is true. Or when when erasable pens used to be a thing, erasable pens were the worst thing ever invented invented for a left handed person because as you're writing, it just smudged across the page it's why so many of us write like with our hand turned um but yeah those are just a couple but i can't believe he didn't give us examples well you don't find that to be a little bit of a letdown well i mean if, if i were if i had commissioned this this email as a as a column and i were an editor i would i would definitely be okay get on waiting to the for PSs. the examples i don't uh, mean to attack our, no, our viewers I mean, we're, that's, we're grateful that's a really unfair from thing for me to do I mean, he's been dodging COVID in St. Petersburg. For, for two years I think now. he's been busy. Anyway, glad to hear you had a good holiday and hope that COVID does not impact the basketball season as I was so glad to hear the revision of Uber Confe- the uh, return of Uber Confessions and Rebecca's travel stories. Um, it's definitely impacting the, the youth basketball, but, but right now, touch wood, uh, games are resuming. Our, our daughter's high school season is resuming tonight after like a, what, three-week three absence yeah. of, of games. There are practices. Uh, P.S. My dimensions are... Six six and a wingspan of eighty one inches. Oh, that's right. We talked about people need to give us their dimensions. Yeah, eighty one inches. How many? What is that? Can well, they're the twelve inches in a foot, so six feet is seventy two inches, and uh, the wingspan is what six nine. I guess that would be. That's that's a, that's inches. a good basketball player body. Long arms, longer even than your height. Absolutely. And uh, and those are the ideal dimensions. Uh, for an HR officer. <laughs> if you, yes, if, if, especially if you're lefty. At the HR combine? That's, that's, that, is, that is no pun intended. That is a 
home run HR. A 6-6 person with a 6-6 lefty with a 6-9 wingspan? I hope he played hoops. Lefties are hard to guard. I've said this before probably on the podcast. Lefties are good for two, if not three, buckets a game just by the sheer fact, in youth basketball anyway, that they're lefties and people aren't used to defending lefties. But you should know better than most that just because you happen to be 6'6 with a wingspan of 6'9, maybe you don't like basketball. Maybe Which is everybody fine. asks, did you play basketball? Do you play basketball? Right. They Do ask you, like you or they ask me. <laughs> well, uh, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Or, or our children. People ask me if I play basketball against you. Like when, I, when we're walking around with our kids, our oldest is 6'3". Our combined oh, age is, is 100, but people right. want to know if we play basketball right. against you, each well, other. Well, they'll say to her, you must play basketball, and she, and she doesn't play basketball anymore. Right. Plays volleyball, but not basketball. Yeah, right. you're right. But she handles it well. But yes, that shouldn't be a question that the tall are constantly answering. I, I tell people, we don't hobnob, much less play basketball. Right. Can you imagine if they just, wow, look, you got long arms. You must play basketball. You must be an HR officer. Does it help you to have long arms if you're a boxer? Of course, your reach the reach is one of the right. one of the key statistics so that you're boxing. You can you can like you can fend off. You know, you can hold the guy at bay with with one arm while clocking him with the other. Do you want to like? I wonder if you know. Don't they say that there's an ideal? There are ideal dimensions for a quarterback. Like 6'4 is ideal, but you don't want to be too tall because it takes your arm too long to cycle through a throw. Is that a thing? I, it, for some reason, I think, I think I've heard that that was a thing. I wonder if there's like an ideal dimension for a I mean, in, in a fairness, boxer. you don't see a lot of seven-foot quarterbacks. Well, right. So I wonder if there's an ideal dimension for a boxer. Is it like, oh, you want to be 5'11"? Well, there, there are, there are, there are, are a hundred different categories really from, from flyweight right, 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 right. to— But I'm saying for heavyweight. If, if like if somebody was going to look at you know a, a kid in a gym and say ooh that kid like, boxing would be based on his body type that kid would be a good boxer because X Y Z. Well, if you were if this were a movie, this kid would have just socked you in the stomach and stolen your championship rings. Right. And as right. you're lying there with the wind knocked out, you say oof. That kid would make a great boxer. Then you cut to the next scene after the commercial break, and he's in the gym working the heavy bag, and right. he's on the straight and narrow now. In fact, that is, you know, Muhammad Ali in a Cassius Clay at the time, 12 years old, had his Schwinn bicycle stolen, and the uh, reporting officer drew him into the boxing, the police boxing program in uh, in Louisville, and. And I, I don't know what happened after that, but but I right. think he started boxing. Do you think we have any listeners, any any viewers who box professionally? No, who know boxing? Like we we have Dr. Gary Siegel who knows auto racing. I'm sure there's other people who listen to the podcast who their thing is watching that or or you know Premier what? League soccer. I wonder, I wonder if we have ba- I, um, I wonder, boxing. I wonder. Folk. I, I would I would make this binary. Do you think we have more viewers who are into boxing? Or into unboxing. <laughs> who like to watch boxing videos? Who like to watch unboxing videos? You've made unboxing videos. Well, when someone sends you You are the Muhammad Ali of unboxing. When, when someone sends you something unsolicited, and they just send you a gift, and it's a nice thing to do, it's sort of like a unwritten rule that you then have to take a video of yourself. Opening the box. Opening the box and post it to your Instagram story. I think. As somebody who's never received a box in the mail, who's not on Instagram, and uh, doesn't receive cool stuff, 
I can't speak. You can't to that. speak to that. This next viewer mail is uh, headed Lobo slash Lobo question mark. Ooh, let's hear more. Dear BNC, I am a relatively new listener who is binge listening about an episode a day. I attended the University of New Mexico in the mid-90s. Rebecca was playing at UConn during that time, and I always thought Rebecca Lobo should have been playing for the Lobos. I would imagine there's a good story in there for one of the few diehard Lobo fans. Uh, well, first of all, Rebecca. Can you imagine? I don't know who was the coach of New Mexico in the late 80s and early 90s. How did they not recruit me? And How did they not recruit me? And had they visited... Had they made a home visit, that coach, they would have seen your father wearing a Lobo's hat. He had a couple of different iterations of it. He, he didn't had... get that though until after I was when I was in college. Like okay. one of my relatives went and visited, went to New Mexico. He's had at least two different because I've seen photographs yes. recently. One in a in a in like mm-hmm. a red one, one in a white one. One one my uncle took a road trip, was in New Mexico, went to the university and bought some Lobo's gear. But like, they could have just said, "Listen, come take a recruiting visit to our school. If nothing else, you can buy a bunch of Lobo gear." But no, not so much as a letter. But w- would you have gone there? Just, well, I mean, let, let me say first, uh, this is from Brian. Brian asks two questions. One, with a last name like Lobo, did you ever consider lacing them up in the pit? And B, which I like he's catching on, Me B, mm-hmm. what is your best UNM Lobo slash Rebecca Lobo story? I guess that would be it. Was it your 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 notorious, not notorious, your 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 famous Uncle Pinky who went to? It was my Uncle Pinky who went there. Drove a, driving across the American Southwest, much like Denny Gallagher. I need uh, the University of New Mexico to make the NCAA tournament so I can call a game. I would love to call a Lobos game. How cool would that be? In the pit. In the pit or elsewhere. It doesn't really matter where it is. It would just be fun to call to call one of their It's something that, that, sh- that, that, that needs to happen now. Of course it needs to happen, without question. And then uh, uh, you just take out my stammer there, please. Uh, thanks for all you're doing, writes uh, Brian. Your podcast is brilliant. Thank you, Brian. Everyone's a Lobo, he signs off. Woof, woof, woof. <laughs> or, or, or is it <laughs> woof, woof, woof? woof. Oh, that's funny. You, you know, Rebecca, the last thing on the Lobo, New Mexico Lobo, is is sometimes in the crossword, it's, uh, you know, Basketball Hall of Famer Rebecca mm-hmm. so, or, or, or WNBA's Rebecca or something like that. And sometimes it's uh, New Mexico athlete. So there is a... Uh, There's some synergy there. Our next viewer... Thank you, uh, Brian, for that. Uh, and thank you for... Uh, binge listening to the podcast. This comes from Teresa, AKTR, the Critter Sitter. Rebecca? All right. Hello, Critter Sitter. I wonder if the Critter Sitter has any experience with Eliz- Elizabethan dog collar. Surely she does. So. I would imagine Hello, so. Rebecca and Steve. I am TR, the Critter Sitter, your resident dog walker slash pet sitter. I listened with nervous anticipation to your story about Jessie. I was so relieved that she was okay. If you had not taken her to the vet, she may have died. Dogs, especially retrievers, are notorious for eating things they should not. Sometimes these foreign objects get stuck. I am sure vets have horror stories of things they have surgically removed. One dog I know ate cardboard and cones. Cardboard and cones. Cones or combs, like for your hair? Cardboard and cones, C-O-N-E-S. Oof. Well, our dogs have eaten cardboard, paper, the newspaper especially. newspaper, yeah. Cones, you suppose traffic cones or ice cream cones? What kind of cones are we talking about? I don't know. But um, uh, Jesse, uh, 
well, I, 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 I don't want to get into that. It's, it's, it's gross. She's now allowed to sort of, she's now out in the yard, free range uh, roaming again. Yes. She's back to her. It's remarkable. Like today, she looks like a dog who never spent yeah. a week and a half in the hospital, who never had 60 plus percent of her small intestine removed. She looks like she has her same energy level back and just she's, it makes me realize that we absolutely made the right decision by having them absolutely Uh, as a pet sitter writes tr i always very carefully inspect all items to make sure they're not eating something dangerous i also do a look around to make sure there is not anything they could ingest before my next visit Uh, we do the same but we live in a house with four kids and and these dogs can jump it's almost impossible to secure anything that they could eat when Really, they, they'll eat just about anything, don't you yeah. think, Rebecca? I particularly like the I pom-poms on winter hats. but But especially, it's interesting, because our older one had mostly outgrown eating that stuff, um, but the puppy hasn't. She still eats stuff, and I think she brought the other, she brought the item, I believe, are to you, the older dog. Are she, she was pinning a it bad, on her? I think it was the, I think it was, but it, I mean, it's, it's, it's age appropriate for the puppy, but I, I do think that's probably what happened. Uh, Teresa uh, writes, Ball and Chain podcast is definitely a public service as well as an entertainment source. Kudos to Rebecca for listening to her dog and getting her help. Uh, Teresa, a.k.a. TR, the Critter Sitter, thank you, uh, TR. Uh, Rebecca, you're a, you're a, you're a public servant. Uh, do, doing a public service, uh, this is news you can use. Yes. For the uh, medical community, the, the, the veterinarian uh, community. Finally. Finally. Ooh. Batting cleanup. Dr. Gary Seal. Should we wait until she's perfected it, or should we mention what might be to come in the coming weeks or months from from our youngest? I have the slightest idea what you're talking about. From our youngest. Yes. I know who she is. New walk-up music. Oh. Well, let's, let's, let's well, wait. Well, let's, we wait. wait. let's wait. Okay. Let's I mean, wait. I mean, who knows if she'll, she'll, uh, the, the right. piano piece she's working on, sometimes she, she takes to it and sometimes she's not interested. I, okay. I, I, considering that it's the second week of January, I probably have to move on from my playing uh, uh, Vince Guaraldi's Christmas Time is here. Mm. So I, I'll probably have to work on a new piano piece as well. Okay. Well, I still enjoy playing it. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes DGS, as I type this line, having already written much of this note earlier tonight, Georgia trails Alabama by a field goal in the second quarter. Oh, spoiler alert, Dr. Siegel. What Please stay up. What a good year it's been for those in Atlanta, huh? Yeah, the Georgia Bulldogs and the Atlanta Braves, the last two major mm-hmm. championships, I think. Holly is on the Alabama sideline, and Molly is on the Georgia one. While I'm sure Molly is both qualified and a hard worker, Rebecca, to whom at ESPN may I speak with about this obvious mistake in sideline reporter placement? Writes Dr. Siegel. <laughs> I, I, you, you, you walked into the room with the national championship football game on, the college national championship football game last night as we record this, mm-hmm. and didn't ask the score, didn't ask who was playing, didn't ask how it was going. You just said, has Holly been on? Right. Which That's the only I thing was I care about. An interesting, <laughs> very specific <laughs> perspective yeah. on the national championship football game. Having said that, writes DGS, what a delightful podcast last week to begin the new year. By the way, for those who are hanging in anticipation here, Georgia came back to win. You may have been asleep at the time, Rebecca. I was. 
Yeah, but, I didn't. Uh, when I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, I wonder who won. I, I, checked the score. I wanted to go to sleep, but but Alabama, Georgia had an eight-point lead, so one score and a two-point conversion, So, and Alabama had the ball. Threw a I, pick six, sealing the game. I watched Holly and Molly's post-game sideline uh, interviews, and then I shut it down. I will see Holly this weekend. I'm calling a game in Maryland this weekend. It's Michigan at Maryland on Sunday, and um, we get Holly back. We have Holly as our sideline reporter. It's only the second game this year. Not not Hollaback. N- not Hollaback, but we get Holly back for only the second time this year. The first time was when UConn and UCLA played on ABC, and uh, we get her back. Yay! Do we not have the technology to to clone Holly, multiple Hollies? You don't. I mean, multiple sporting why? events. She's she's physically able somehow to be in two places at but, once. But there, there there must be a, a night where there's a, a Utah Jazz game. A women's college basketball game and a college football game, and and she can't possibly I mean, be she, in three places. She had the time. They, she had the Saturday last year where she did both a Michigan and Michigan State game in the same day because one was that. an afternoon game and one was a, a night game. And then while she was in Indianapolis, she went there for the national championship game like on Wednesday or Thursday. While she was there, the Jazz were in town playing the Pacers, and she did that game. She's she's pretty incredible. Having said that, writes Dr. Siegel, what a delightful podcast last week to begin the new year. Julianne figuratively hit an inside-the-park home run with her report, with her professionalism, perfect grammar, humility, and politeness. She's destined for bigger and better things, and I look forward to her next report. Well, uh, by definition, she's destined for bigger and better things than reporting on on our uh, sorry podcast, but uh, I agree with you, Dr. Siegel. She, she certainly is. This week's list, one, viewer dimension requests, height, Ready, Rebecca? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to have to do the math on this, okay? 70 inches. So that's 5'10". 5'10". 169 pounds on good weigh-in days. <laughs> and Dr. Siegel, God bless him, includes his BMI, 24.2. I have no idea if that's what that, what that is. I don't is. know. We'd have to consult a BMI t- yes. chart. But I would say, just from my own, uh, having consulted a BMI chart at some point, at 65 it says something like my ideal weight should be anywhere uh, i'm not kidding between like 140 and 190 or right. something right yeah it's absurd it's absurd it's absurd i mean it's ludicrous but anyway I, I do think i do think we should require all future uh, emailers to include their bmi don't you think right. yes the, the beautiful thing too with like bmi or ideal weight is that it takes into zero account for muscle like, of course, right. if somebody has is an athlete and has muscle, they're going to weigh a lot more than somebody who doesn't. And it completely, like, to not take into consideration your body fat percentage or whatever is, is just absurd. Well, I'm, I'm afraid, writes Dr. S- By the way, BMI is TMI. Th- that is right? true. That is true. Uh, I'm afraid that I was unable to use the available obstetric tape measures pictured below and familiar to many to measure my wingspan as the tape measures weren't long enough. They measure pregnant abdomens nicely, however. Imagine if, if you required a, an obstet- obstetric tape measure that was sufficiently long to measure wingspan. Mm. That would be one heck of a pregnancy. It would. Uh, lastly, since we're speaking of pregnancy, my two children undoubtedly have resulted in my two love handles that contribute to my BMI. My childhood, during which I was chubby, has nothing to do with the situation. <laughs> How about Dr. Gary Siegel just willing to share it all? 
I, I like that there's two love handles. Imagine just one. <laughs> I don't know how that would happen, but the visual is pretty unbelievable. <laughs> two. Two. Stephen Colbert must be a viewer who has not yet corresponded with the podcast last week. In his monologue, he mentioned that Apple had become the first corporation to be valued at $3 trillion, mostly due to dongle sales. Where else could he and his writers have learned about dongles, I ask? Interesting. Three, I am so glad that your dog is recovering from surgery. We've been lucky to have lived near two 24-hour animal hospitals, and we've used them several times during the wee hours. When Golden Doodle, when Golden Doodle Bailey, Golden Doodle Bailey, when Golden Doodle Bailey, now in heaven, was a puppy, he injured his leg. Our normal veterinarian took x-rays and referred us to the surgical veterinarian. The pre-surgical instructions for the, day, <laughs> for the day of surgery, withhold breakfast and bring the dog at the appointment time. As it turns out, he was vomiting that morning, so holding breakfast was the easy part. When the abdominal x-ray that day revealed an intestinal blockage, the leg surgery was delayed for the intestinal surgery, from which he recovered nicely. One added note. When his abdominal wound opened up, our regular veterinarian drained it several times. I asked her why she didn't pack the wound with gauze like we do with people with abdominal wound disruptions. Her three-word answer, dogs eat packing. Ooh, gross. However, we ended up having to pack the wound anyway with Bailey, a male dog, snapping away at us during the process until he finally got used to it. Viewer tip, if you need vet wrap, a stretchy, clingy tape known also under a different name in human orthopedics, get it by the case from Amazon. They, our dog, because she needed a drain, um, and they don't stitch up the drain, so they use that tape, and I, I removed it a day or two ago, so I know exactly what he's talking about. Did he say buy it from Amazon? That's what he said. Get it by the case from Amazon. Who needs a case of it if you're not a doctor? And if you are a doctor, are you buying it from Amazon? Interesting. <laughs> well... If you need vet wrap, right? I don't know. A stretchy, clingy tape, known also under a different name in human orthopedics. Get it by the case from Interesting. I get all my surgical implements from Amazon. Do you? Yeah. And if, if it's an emergency, I, I get it prime. Right. Four, since you asked, my love of cars. You did ask this, Rebecca, about how <laughs> he did. came by his love of cars. I did. Well, let's find out. Since yes. you asked, my love of cars came from my older brother-in-law, who always had a cool car while courting my sister. I was nine years old when I sat in his 1964 Oldsmobile Cutlass 442, shifting the gears while the car was at rest. He later owned a 1968 Corvette, the first year of the Mako Shark body style that lasted through 2019. His 2021 Corvette is the long-awaited mid-engined model. Lastly, my sister's first car after their marriage was a 1968 Pontiac GTO, known then and now as a GOAT, long before the term GOAT came into common use. Thus, I read car magazines while Steve I read car magazines while Steve read and remembered virtually anything he picked up. Do any of the viewers know what 442 moniker represented? Answer below. I'm listening. 442 moniker what? Well, I mean, I could pretend that I knew this, but I know nothing about the actual mechanics of I'm the car. I'm not going to pretend, so I'm, that's why I'm listening. Four-barrel carburetor, four on the floor, dual exhausts. That, that's, I mean, that's a Springsteen lyric I've right there, isn't it? I I've ever had a car with dual exhausts. Is that, is that lifted from a Springsteen lyric? Four-barrel carburetor, four on the floor, dual exhaust. He must have said those exact words. Got a 69 Chevy with a 396, 386. I don't know what, what that means, but 
five. And finally, to this day, I still drive a manual transmission car and know that I may be one new car away from never having a manual transmission as electric cars and hybrids need more sophisticated transmission. Alas, as one psychiatrist opined in the New York Times in 2019, perhaps we need more stick shift cars to keep us engaged as drivers and to avoid distractions from common accoutrement, which he highlights in bold here. Of course he does. Such as cell phones, etc. Uh, the headline of the article is attached as a picture, and here's a link to the story. The headline is, Forget Self-Driving Cars, Bring Back the Stick Shift. And when I did, uh, briefly, when I learned to drive a stick, when you taught me how to drive a stick in the high school parking lot when mm -hmm. I had a Mini, because mm -hmm. when I got the Mini and the guy at the Mini dealership said, uh, you don't want a, you don't want a, uh, an automatic transmission, 90% of the Minis we sell are, are, are sticks. So I said, okay, let's get the stick. I did find that you had to be much more engaged in driving, paying attention um, with a stick than with an automatic, just naturally. You're right. I mean, it was kind of a constant white knuckle uh, glued to the road feel. I That's wonder if Denny on his, um, on his road trip has the technology, technology to be able to add the beginning of Bruce Springsteen's Racing in the Street. To this conversation. Well, I mean, I mean, one of my favorite springs. A guy in, with New Jersey plates on Route 66. It's probably playing in his car right now. I bet it is. It, it, it may be. Well, wherever Denny, wherever you are listening, wherever you are, Denny Gallagher. We are in the basement on the coldest day of the year. The coffee has gone cold, and uh, and so has the podcast. So we should on that we note, should not canoodle, but skedaddle. Let's skedaddle after we thank Tom, Dick, Hari, Denny, and all of our viewers. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test Androgynous and ambiguous While we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane